The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the week that was in all Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And we got a title change! Stock up, stock down. That's right, Joel. Sam and Guevara revenging his friend's car, his pride. And this was a fun match and he pinned the unbeatable Miro to win the TNT championship. Uh, championship. And honestly, I was, I didn't... I wasn't expecting a title change. Like we, we love Sammy Guevara on this pod. We recognize his talent and like this feud kind of just kind of snuck up on me, like him being fr- friends with uh Fuego del Sol. Am I saying that right? Um, so I wasn't really expecting a title change, but leading up to it, I was like, man, that'd be, it'd be really sweet. If Sammy could do this, if Sammy could do this. And then he started hitting every single move at the end. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to win this. Cause he hit everything my man like every single move in his bag and now that i i think it was the right time i think Miro can move on to to bigger things you know i'm we talked a few weeks ago about what happens when miro drops the title i'm not worried about miro post championship i think there's plenty of guys he can work with and if you're going to give the work rate belt to someone sammy Guevara is the guy joel what do you think of this match and what do you think of our new champion I love the match. I thought it was really good. I liked that there was a back and forth. It wasn't like Miro was dominant the whole time. And then mm-hmm. Sammy got the upper hand at the very end. You know, everybody got offense back and forth throughout the match. And I just had a feeling about this one. I thought, you know, feels like the time's about right for Miro to drop the belt. And the time is definitely right for Sammy Guevara to finally win a title. I mean, finally. he's been finally. one of the best workers in the company <laughs> since day one, having some of the best matches in the company since day one. And, uh, you know, we, we said one of the things we wanted to see was for the inner circle to break up and for the various members to move on to bigger and better things. Santana and Ortiz are involved in the title picture in the tag division. Mm-hmm. And now we have Sammy Guevara is loose. And he's the champion. He got the win. He got it done. He hit three (laughs) finishers in a row. Every finisher for Miro. And he got it done. (laughs) But my favorite spot of this match, and and I defy anyone to say that any other spot from this match was better, was that Spanish fly out of nowhere. Middle of the ring, standing, like... That's a move so that, fast. Yeah, that's a move so that takes fast. perfect timing from both competitors. Like both competitors need to be on their game. And when you do it from like the top rope or something like. I know up being off the ground, like you think it'd be I think this is harder to do because you have mirror running full speed middle of the ring. You don't really have the landing like the cushion, I guess, of wow, there's like seven feet between you and the ground like you have to nail it perfectly. And that was. That was fantastic. I wanted to bring up that move and you beat me to it because I I am a sucker for a good Spanish fly. And that was one of the best ones I've seen. So great, great work here between these two. And uh, yeah, you mentioned like the inner circle breaking up. It's funny that we had a whole storyline that if the inner circle lost, they would have to break up. And then they basically did anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but it's working. I, I, like you said, Santana Ortiz are in a very 
uh, interesting spot here with the championships right now. Even Jericho and, and Hager doing their own thing, I think is, well, you know, they're not our yeah, favorites. And, it's still a better thing than what they were doing. And Hager is the only one still wearing inner circle gear, which I think is just <laughs> so apropos. No, I didn't get the memo. We not a thing anymore, guys. Which, which, where did he go? Like, yeah. So I, I, I like, I like them separate. The main goal of the inner circle, I think was to, well, raise the status of Sammy Guevara. Like he was the young stud in that group and mission accomplished. And you could say the same thing for Santana Ortiz. Not that they really needed it because they were already a legendary tag team, but I feel like they're better now than when they first came in and, you know, Jericho, whatever he's, He's our old man in AEW, and he's going to continue to do things. So, um, yeah, I, I think if, you, if you're if you going to make a faction, you, you really got to have a plan with it. And I I think while there were some bumpy things in the road with the inner circle along the way, um, I feel they stuck the landing. And I'm really happy that Sammy Guevara's champion, just to see how much he's grown over the last two and a half years. My God. like Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, Sammy Guevara... And this is something that's been a trend with the TNT championship from the beginning is it's always been in the hands of somebody that you can immediately think of six or seven matches that you want to see Mm -hmm. them have with members of the roster with a title on the line. It was easy to do when Cody won it initially. It was easy to do with Brody Lee when he got the title. It was easy to do with Darby and you know Miro obviously it's like he's brand new he has the title let's see him face everyone and you know Sammy we've seen a lot of these matches before because he's been around and he's been working but it's different when there's a title on the line and I'm looking forward to seeing some of those matches that he's had run back with a championship involved Mm -hmm. yeah and they 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 kind of have a really good formula here with the the TNT championship. They do the kind of not weekly like Cody did, but pretty damn often. Every few weeks we get a title defense on TNT, uh, kind of blow through a few of those. And you have like your first major feud with it. That goes pretty well. Then a few more of those little matches. And then you, then you drop it. Like it, it's a, it's a very good tool for basically bringing people up, you know, to the next level. And I also thought it was kind of cool that they he won the title on kind of a Brody Lee night because the company and a lot of fans have kind of associated TNT Championship with Brody Lee. And I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting, like you said, Joel, Inner Circle appears to be done. No Inner Circle came out during that celebration. What? Why the fuck is Matt Seidel out there? <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sean Dean too. Yeah, like, like when was the last time we you. saw Sean Dean? <laughs> like, it's like, like it's like when you don't have enough people invited to your birthday party, and your mom just invites random people from the yearbook. Not that that ever happened to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're excited about uh, Sammy Guevara's champion. And on the flip side. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I'm not worried that Miro's going to fall to the wayside here. I think there's a lot of people he could work with. And we get to see the Redeemer with a crisis of faith. God's champion lost. What does the Redeemer do here going forward? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And I, I think there are a lot of opportunities. A ton of talent has come in since 
he debuted. And uh, there were a ton of people that he hasn't faced who have been around. So uh, I'd like to see them figure out, you know, a non-title storyline for for him to be involved in. And I think if they wanted to go down the whole crisis of faith line of thinking, I think that's a natural and interesting plot. And having him, you know, uh, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see him go on a skid here and lose a bunch of matches. No, uh, he, he should go on another long stretch of W's. Yeah. Like reestablish the dominance, have his hot wife show up on AEW, try to reassure him. Like, <laughs> what would be interesting to me is if he started, if he was winning a bunch of matches, but there was always some kind of dubious circumstances that caused him to question whether he it was a it. fluke or whether he legitimately <laughs> won the match. And, but it's all in his head. Like, they're all clean wins, but he's got some reason in his head why he didn't earn it or something. That would be interesting. I would be, I would be, and I think it's a, that's a character that Miro could play really, really well mm-hmm. and, and sell that kind of nuance. But yeah, sure. Give me something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Joel. Well, I think we can move on to our next topic here and uh, man, the crowd does not like Cody. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple yeah. weeks now. <laughs> I think we're officially throwing a stock down or, or or maybe we're just recognizing a stock down from the AEW live crowd to one Cody Rhodes. Uh, maybe Rochester just really doesn't like reality TV. I mean, it's a pretty blue collar place from, from what I understand from people I know who have come and gone from that area. So I don't know. Maybe reality TV isn't their thing, but he, he was getting booed when he first faced Malachi Black in Jacksonville. He he got booed in New York last week for sure. Um, we have a Cody problem in AEW, and I I don't know if where he fits right now. It's weird because going back to the start of AEW and even like the first year and a half, we could not stop praising Cody, like. There was so much good that he did. They were putting over young stars. He was putting on great matches. Like the MJF Cody feud from early on uh, with, you know, was it the lashes, the cage match? And like, it was great. And ever since that Anthony Ogogo match, man, you dipped your foot into like some xenophobia and it just, it just, just poisoned you there. It just poisoned you. So I'm, I'm not sure what the, uh, the, the route is, but, Color me intrigued with this this segment tonight with Arn Anderson basically saying you're a fucking loser and I don't associate with losers. And unless you're willing to kill, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that felt really weird. (laughs) Like him him doing a gun gesture to the head. I I dug the intensity of the promo. I, I liked the the general direction that it mm-hmm. went in and i thought it was a good way to be like you know lee johnson did what he was told and he got the win tonight like he can come with me but you know you need to think about your career and and who you are as a wrestler and and all that i don't think we needed arn anderson saying that he'd pull out a glock and blow somebody's head off if they tried yeah. to carjack him yeah, like, a little, little extreme. What does that have to do with being a wrestler? <laughs> yeah, I don't. 
there's there's many other ways you could have said the exact same thing. Like, like, yeah, you could use the chair against Malachi Black and get the win or not. Like, there's ways you could say that does doesn't involve committing a, a, a capital offense and a felony. Um, and also he's Arn fucking Anderson. You don't like if I was carjacking like someone and I open the door and it's Arn Anderson, I would just politely shut the door and walk away. Like I, I would cancel the action. Like I'm playing grand theft auto. Just be like, Nope, my bad. <laughs> well, now I know he would shoot me, but well, maybe this is a little too in the weeds, but like, does he have a special gun like Scatter from the man with the golden gun? Cause I feel like the nerve damage in his hand would prevent him from operating a normal handgun. I mean, yeah, you know, the amount of pressure to pull a trigger, you know, he's an old man. I don't know if he can do it no more. Well, um, and like legitimately, he has nerve damage from being a pro wrestler. True. And also, I, I, as someone who hates gun, I, I, guns, I've shot guns a few times. You cannot just like very casually getting carjacked, just be like, oh, wait. Like, and do it. You can't. Like, you can't. Especially when you're an old man with nerve damage. The amount of kickback, he would pull the trigger and would slap him across the face, break his nose, and then he would still lose his car because he would miss. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. That was that was weird, but I like the overall tone, the overall message of, <laughs> like, Cody, you got to, you're in a, basically, you're in a slump and you got to fight, find the right way to get out. Well, maybe not the right way but you got to do what it takes to get out of it. And Cody just hasn't been doing that. I loved him referencing. What the hell was you take? What was you take? What was you take? What was you? What were you doing? Taking off your shoe? What was that? Like, we didn't talk about that because the whole internet was like, what the fuck was that about? And so, so like even Arn's like, you're fucking, what are you doing? So I don't know. Cody's been a weird hot mess for the last six months. Joel, do you turn them? Do you just maybe take them off TV for a while? Which you can't because you got to promote the show. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I feel like it's a tough spot because you're trying to promote a show that the people who are booing Cody, they're just going to boo watch. him harder if he's yeah. out there promoting a show. So I, I do think like the right move here is to make him a heel or at the very least more antagonistic because the fans don't want to cheer Cody right now. So you can either try to position him as a face and have a bunch of segments that don't make sense because the crowd mm-hmm. isn't going along with them. Or you can decide, okay, if they're going to boo him, we'll just make him a heel and give them a reason so that it makes sense within the storyline. Because right now it's weird for Cody to be getting booed. Of course, like if you're going to put him out there against the likes of Dante Martin, like, I'm going to cheer for Dante Martin. Yeah. 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Uh, I texted you earlier, like control the narrative. If they're booing him, be the reason they're booing him. Don't let, don't let the fans boo him because they just don't like him. Make a story reason for that to be the case. Um, one thing we always criticize the other wrestling show about is they didn't listen when their preferred baby faces were getting booed. God, we sat through so many years of John Cena getting booed, Roman Reigns getting booed, and you just get tired of it. So, you know, if you got to turn him, turn him. Um, I think there's plenty of ways that you could do it. Like, he did get his start in WWE. You could very easily make him the embodiment of WWE and AEW. Have the fans boo that, because we know the fans hate WWE. Like, 
kind of position him as this smug corporate businessman, whatever, and run with it. Fans will boo and you won't feel awkward in these segments where he's trying to be a baby face. Also, I have a mini stock down. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on real quick before we get to the MGF. Sorry. Our next topic. Um, AW crowds tend to be really good in terms of knowing when to chant, knowing when to cheer. My God, it felt like a WWE show with the amount of CM Punk chants scattered throughout the show. Like there's like three segments where CM Punk chants were there for no fucking reason. And Joel, we haven't really touched on this on this pod, but I find that so goddamn disrespectful when you're chanting for someone who's not even involved in the segment. People did that with WWE because they were frustrated with the product. And even then, it still got ridiculous. But this, I don't know, stock down. I hated that. Yeah, I mean, the it, it's in there with the chance, like the what chance. Like, it's just annoying. And it detracts from what's going on. Um, I do feel like AEW was kind of asking for it by having Punk on commentary all night. Um, well, I thought that I thought them doing his entrance at the start of the show was kind of their way of like, here you go, get it out of your system. system." And we haven't really seen it in AEW since CM Punk debuted. Yeah. Like we haven't seen that type of behavior from the fans. So, well, you know, MJF did look in the mirror and say straight edge three times. So (laughs) what what is he fucking Beetlejuice? (laughs) CM Punk just appears in the background with a Pepsi Cola and toast. Like, <laughs> all right. I, I I hope that's his new gimmick. Every time someone says straight edge too many times, CM Punk shows up. Sorry, that was a mini rant on my part because I just I hate that shit. And if it's the first time I've noticed it in AEW, but Joel, let's move on to <laughs> MJF's weekly segment of whining in the ring. Uh, <laughs> MJF came out here tonight and talked about the four pillars of AEW uh Jungle Boy who he beat uh Sammy Guevara who he beat Darby Allen whatever <laughs> and then and then talked about himself and how he is obviously the best one um they forgot one pillar I would have five pillars uh Orange Cassidy they didn't they, he didn't mention him but um <laughs> I didn't find this segment to be like too over the line like there was some pretty messed up stuff here. Basically, MJF telling Darby, when your drunken uncle and you got in that car accident, the wrong man died. That doesn't even come close to the top five worst things MJF has said in AEW. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> what part of this is not fair game. As long as you've talked to the other guy backstage yeah. and been like, hey, is it cool if I talk about this? And, you know, this is standard stuff in pro wrestling. I mean we had a whole bit with was it punk and randy orton where orton was like trying to pour jack daniels down punk's throat oh that was jericho that was jericho where he like smashed the bottle of whiskey on his head yeah and then like you're you're like sister's an alcoholic because yeah. you know your dad was an al- like stuff like that right like <laughs> and, and nobody was mad about that and I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people were. Maybe there were people yeah. who were mad about that. But like, this is fair game in professional wrestling. Again, as long as you've cleared it backstage with the other guy and you're like, hey, can we bring this real thing into our fake hatred of one another? Yeah. 
And I think that blurring of the lines between reality and kayfabe it makes for some of the more compelling storylines that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it can go too far. Uh, you know, uh, the the infamous example is the uh, the home invasion segment on <laughs> Raw with <laughs> Brian Pillman speaking of, and yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, where they sh- literally had a gun go off and then cut to black. <laughs> I'm like, pretty. I'm pretty sure Arn Anderson produced that segment, Joel. It, uh, that was that was an Arn <laughs> special. <laughs> But um, well, and in Arn's in Arn's opinion, what what Brian Pillman did wrong was that he didn't shoot Stone Cold the in the head. <laughs> so, um, damn, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I didn't find this over the line. Every like, there was nothing crazy. Like even the Brian Pillman Jr. stuff. Uh, like, yeah, it's bad, but you know, you, it made sense for the story. And actually, my favorite part about this, Joel, was MJF tried to do the same thing to Darby Allen. He went to his bully playbook and did the exact same thing. It was literally like the same exact segment, except Darby isn't a kid. Like, <laughs> I know they're around the same age, but Darby's not Brian Pillman. Darby's like, yeah, yeah, you're not going to break me. And what what happens when you confront a bully, Joel? Well, me, I oh. usually still got hit, but. I was going to say, yeah, uh, that whole thing that, that happens in movies and TV shows where you stand up to the bully and the bully's like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Uh, I've never no. encountered that in real life. No, the bully just punches harder. But, you know, this is a form of media. So and the what bully's is the bully like, do? no, I'm going to use a rock. <laughs> I got a rock. Um, so MJF backed down, tail between his legs, said, I'm done. We're walking out. Um, I just thought that was a really cool kind of contrast to the last MJF feud we had. And I can't recall, Joel, so we may be wrong on this. I don't remember seeing an MJF Darby Allen match. Um, but even if they did, they weren't who they are now. So I'm real excited for this. Well, we know AEW doesn't ignore their history. And so mm. I feel like if the two had faced off previously, they would have referenced it during this segment. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't remember seeing that match before. And I feel like we've had a conversation before about how it felt like AEW was keeping these two talents apart mm-hmm. uh, and waiting to to cash in on what's obviously a big match. You know, two of your uh, newly christened four pillars of young talent in the AEW men's division. Yeah. Yeah. So this this should be fun. Um, kind of thinking of the timeline, I guess we're six weeks away from from all out, sorry, full gear. So could this stretch that far? I don't know. I'm not really thinking pay-per-view ramifications yet um, for any of these stories, but we're getting, we're getting about to that range. So um, yeah, I would love to see these guys work together. We know the match would be fantastic. Also, we would inevitably get a sting and Wardlow showdown. Joel. (laughs) It's like two of your favorite things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of hung up on Wardlow turning on MJF, and I'm I'm just counting down the days until that happens. But I'll take what I can get in the meantime. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not going to be opposed to a uh, little little stare down, possibly some fisticuffs between the two. So uh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of factions being dead, is the Pinnacle just dead? No, no, like... I don't. I don't think so at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just have not been involved with each other 
they've been very fluid, but they've referenced each other and they've talked about the pinnacle. And I think it's there. It's just a little bit looser, which honestly is a good I'm thing. Fine because... with it. Sorry, I'll let you keep going. Well, for for MJF to have one on one matches that feel compelling, he needs to come out not with an entire group. You know, there needs to not be that constant threat that other members are going to get involved because it does get to a point where that's overdone and kills the tension. Mm-hmm. So uh, same for FTR, right? Like if we expect that Sean Spears and Wardlow are going to show up and interfere in their matches, that actually takes away from their matches. Mm-hmm. Like I like that it's, it's a more loose affiliation. I, I don't worry about members of Suzuki goon getting involved in Zack Sabre juniors matches. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, NJPW has factions everywhere, but not every story has to involve faction on faction warfare. You know, like maybe the inner circle isn't really dead and they're reunite for some things or when the greater good is, is at peril here. Um, so yeah, it's, it definitely, like you said, and we also, we saw that with the inner circle for two years, basically the entire time AEW has been a thing. We've seen the inner circle getting involved in each other's matches, dragging out things. So it would have been really tough if we got over two years of a heel group doing that right into a new era of a heel group doing that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, we do kind of have the elite doing that. Ah, uh, fuck. You're right. I guess that's why we can't have two groups doing at once. If we get really fucking boring. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> at least the elite's fun. Speaking of which, shall we go in the lightning round so we can talk about the elite? Sure. lightning round joel look at me look at my eyes (laughs) i care what michael nakazawa has to say well he doesn't have anything to say he has something to say i know it he just said he doesn't have anything to say he's lying he's lying i cannot wait for the (laughs) michael nakazawa brandon cutler face turns where they become these megastars splitting up from the elite he should just (laughs) recite sylvester stallone's speech from the end of First Blood. <laughs> I, I don't work. I was thinking of famous Sylvester Stallone speeches and I was just like, I did it. So uh, I'm just going <laughs> to ignore that. Um, yeah. So you really should not do it. I don't Sylvester Stallone. Impression. No, I don't. But yeah, it's not good. You, you don't have it. You don't, I don't have it. it. I don't have the chops there. Uh, but no, you want to do yours on the pod? And I don't. Um, at the end of First Blood, um, <laughs> damn it, I tried. <laughs> a movie in which Sylvester Stallone has basically not spoken at all. Uh, he has this like King Lear speech at the end of the movie, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Stallone should not be doing uh, fucking uh, soliloquies. Um, but I kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> the that's, elite what happens. Stuff. that's what happens when you try to promote michael nakazawa speaking on national television hey hey he has nothing to say leave him alone he's my dude anywho um i think we're getting exactly what you wanted here with brian danielson joel i think he's gonna rack up his wins against every member of the elite before he gets his rematch and i'm fine with it that's that's gonna be fun those are like him and nick jackson are fighting on rampage sign me the fuck up <laughs> like, I would love if they had like a whole card planned for Rampage and then the, that match goes on first 
And then immediately following that match, another member of the elite comes out and it just becomes an impromptu gauntlet match. And the entire episode of Rampage is Brian Danielson beating people up. 100%. Let's do it. Like, it would be amazing. Um, I I think there's something really cool about having an advertised card and then completely ignoring it, you know? Sorry, guys. We'll have to get to the triple threat match next week because Daniel Bryan is just kicking in skulls. Who? (laughs) Bryan Danielson is kicking in skulls. Good. Damn it. Oh, (laughs) WWE should have given him a completely different name. Fuck. This makes it so hard. But yeah, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> and you know, the crowd would eat that shit up too. They'd be like, oh, we got Dan- Brian Danielson for a whole hour. That'd be sweet. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be fun. Uh, I kind of also like too the just the group of faces that hate the bad guys and they're loosely affiliated. Like this doesn't need to be a group, but I enjoy, I still enjoy Danielson, Jurassic Express. That's not right. That's right. Jurassic Express? God, mm-hmm. I You're just so used to calling them Lucha Express. Yeah, God. All right. Pick a topic. I'm I can't talk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dude, Jungle Boy, kicking off the show with an amazing match against Adam Cole. Uh that he should have won if he hadn't been kicked unceremoniously in the balls. Um <laughs> Yeah, my only I mean, weakness. <laughs> this match was great. Uh, obviously, it was going to be great. Uh, Jungle Boy and Adam Cole are tremendous. The one thing that really surprised me was, I think Jungle Boy's taller than Adam Cole. Yeah, that, that was I weird. Noticed that too. That was Adam Cole is tiny. Yeah, no wonder Vince hated him. Like, 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 jungle, like, jungle boy never gets. Damn it, he's five foot one. (laughs) That's an impression. (laughs) Yeah, but like, have we ever seen Jungle Boy be the bigger wrestler? (laughs) Like, unless he's fighting Marco fucking stunt, I don't believe so. So, I can't remember a time when he was the uh, the larger wrestler. Yeah. So, yeah, put on some put on some weight there, Adam Cole. Put on some height. Do that. Put on some yeah, height. Put on some height. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, speak. We we talked about Sammy Guevara winning the championship earlier, Joel. I'm going to read you a tweet. Uh, a tweet. <laughs> a tweet. We are struggling tonight. <laughs> it's so late. Okay. Um, I'm going to read you a tweet uh, that one of your favorite wrestlers tweeted. Bobby Fish, I'd like to congratulate the new TNT champion, Sammy Guevara, and be the first to challenge him for that title, ready to walk through the forbidden door, AW on TNT. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Like, I get, I forgot he's, he's a free agent, and he's been doing some stuff with Major League Wrestling. So, um, yeah, walk through that door. I would love to see Bobby Fish, Sammy Guevara, just a one-off. That match would be insane. And I think that's one of the cool things that they've done with the TNT Championship. I hope they continue to do that um, because it's it's a really cool way to feature people. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who I'd really like to see, and, and maybe this is my next lightning round item, I would really like to see Lee Moriarty go one-on-one with Sammy mm-hmm. Guevara. Uh, he is absolutely tremendous. Recently signed to AEW. 
and it would be a great way to introduce him to the broader AEW audience in a high profile yep. match to have him answer an open challenge and uh, come out and just tear the house down because you know those two could put on an incredible, incredible match. Yeah, it's it's the it's the showcase title. So let's see some fun stuff. Um, Joel, I'm going to uh, mention Leo Rush, apparently unretired. And he's is he trying to sell us on like a pyramid scheme or something? It kind of sounds like it. Like he takes loans and then pays them back and somehow makes money off of that. I, whatever. I I love Leo Rush. I'm have him and Sammy Guevara fight for the belt one night too. That'd be amazing. But um, there's been talks about him potentially unretiring and working some AEW date. So uh, I'm glad to see it. Always love me. Sammy I mean, Rush. hasn't he retired like seven times? Oh yeah. Like that should be part of his gimmick. Now he should retire after every match and make it a big deal when he shows up the next week. That would actually be hilarious. <laughs> like have the, have the announcers one night only coming out of retirement. Leo Rush. Well, no, you can't say one night only because then it's not a surprise when he retires again after the match. <laughs> uh, give me the book. Give me the book, Joel. What do you What do you got for me next? Uh, I got to talk about uh, two wrestlers who are bigger than Jungle Boy and Adam Cole, and uh, that's the Men of the Year: Ethan oh. Page and Scorpio Sky. I really enjoyed this segment that they had with uh, with Dan Lambert. I thought it was another really good heel promo. And Ethan Page just grabbing the microphone and eating up all the oxygen in the room in the best way possible. Really, really dig his character. And I like that he's pointing out facts. I love it when heels tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And he's out there saying, hey, I've never been pinned. I've never submitted. Uh, I have the best smile in professional wrestling. He has the uh, best tits. debatable Titus debatable. Tits, did he say? Yeah, he did say that. Um, he did say <laughs> <Titus> that. <tits. laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that was a weird line, but okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, pointing out that he is uh, tough because he is a you know double black belt, and uh, he's got the moves to back it up. So yeah, I, I like that these two are being featured more, and I thought this was a good segment. Yeah, we were initially down when they when they got paired together early this year because it was right after Sky won the the brass ring, and we're kind of like, okay, he just was in a tag team, and and now he's back in a tag team. Like we recognized the potential of each individual, but we thought it was a little weird. So to see them finally being uh, featured, hopefully a tag team championship run in their future or individual titles. Who cares? Give them something, and also. Both Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page can talk the shit out of the mic. Like, they don't need Dan Lambert, but it works. And I agree. I don't think they need him in terms of talking, but I think it helps to get the crowd to boo people that they would be naturally inclined to cheer for. Mm -hmm. People love Scorpio Sky and people love Ethan Page. So they hate Dan Lambert. Yeah. So, what do you do if you want them to be heels? you pair them with somebody who is a lightning rod of hate in Dan Lambert. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Um, yeah. So I love this. I love these guys. They're fantastic. And I'm going to boo the shit out of them because, you know, they're bad guys. Um, Respectful Joel, boo. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, 
what felt like the first true match in the women's tag team division. Uh, Tag Conti, Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford and the Bunny. We got matching ring gear on both sets of these teams, man. And they looked great. Like it just, you don't see that a lot in women's wrestling on, on the big, big shows of women having, you know, teams and, and matching ring gear like that. So it felt like a big deal. I know it doesn't seem like we're getting a women's tag title anytime soon. It seems we're getting a, a secondary singles title, but I've really liked them acknowledging their teams through their ring gear. Cause it, it's more than just, Hey, we're teaming up for a few weeks. Like we are a team. Like that's what I always liked about the iconics as well. Yeah. I'm very hopeful that we can actually get like a real division going and, uh, hopefully that can lead to titles because I think there are a number of legitimate teams to be had and teams that make sense. And if you want to get the freaking forbidden door involved in the women's division, how about bringing in the Hasset and the queen of strong smile? And, you know, then you can have a, a great women's tag match between them and any of the AEW tag teams that you put together. And uh, for those who are not in the know, that's Jordan Grace and uh, Rachel Ellering. I love Jordan Grace. She's awesome. And yeah, it's weird because AEW has been pretty good about doing their like the same stuff every year. You know, we've had certain, you know, the Battle Royals, the ladder matches. Um, I haven't heard anything about, you know, the was it the Dangerous Draw or whatever it was called, the Women's Tag Tournament from last year, which I thought was really fun. And I think that'd be a cool thing to bring back. Like, you know, we had Diamante and what was it? Um, Ivelisse, who is Ivelisse no longer with year. the company. <laughs> yeah, I know. Winning it last year. But I think that'd be another way. Like, you have two established teams. You can obviously make some other ones that, even if it's on YouTube, whatever, like, bring it back. Because I think there is a, there's a lot of potential here for a tag team, women's tag team division. And yeah, I mean, there's just a lot more women in the company now. I remember last year, when they did that, we were like, are there enough women mm-hmm. to form enough tag teams to yeah. actually like make this happen? And there were a few injuries and people involved in other storylines, but there really are now. And, you know, you could pair up like Riho and Hikaru Shida or Hikaru Shida and Emi Sakura. And, you know, they're people who have history who it would make sense to put them in a tag team together. Uh, mm-hmm. There's lots of, people that you can you know make a team out of kira hogan apparently is officially signed to start winning she's gonna start winning (laughs) you know she'd be she's got experience uh with tasha Steeles as a tag team competitor in women's wrestling so you know you've got women who not only can work but have experience working in uh tag team settings so like, let's get this division really off the ground and uh, make it a regular thing. Because I thought this was a great match. And I think tag team wrestling is, as we saw with the men's side of things, a great way to have new talent, put on good matches, and get established. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to keep it in the women's division here, Joel. Uh, really interesting segment, uh, pro- video package with Hikaru Shida. Announcing her return to Dynamite next week versus Serena Deeb. This match should A, be fantastic, and hopefully B, did I say A, B, 1B? I don't know. B, uh, 
we just need Cheetah on TV more. It seems like she completely disappeared uh, once she lost her title. And now we know she was moving to the U.S. And I'm sure that took a lot of time and a lot of stress to get that done. I know she's been on Dark and stuff, but um, she's the longest reigning champion ever in AEW. So let's get her on TV. Let's get into some stories. And Serena D was kind of heelish in that promo. So this should be fun. Well, and Sheeta is going for her 50th win mm-hmm. in AEW, and that's a significant mark. There's only a handful of AEW talents who have 50 wins. I think Jungle Boy was the first to yeah, get 50 wins. Yeah, he got a little wins. plaque. He got a little plaque from it. From so, them. you know, it, it's a cool thing, and I think it also demonstrates what a workhorse she's been in the women's division since the beginning. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this match. I think it's going to be really, really good. Apparently it's an anniversary show next week. So early October. <laughs> what are we on? Two years, two full years of this AW shit. <laughs> yes. Sounds about I right. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why not? We'll keep it in the women's division. And uh, we also, we have another really, really great match coming up on rampage that uh, since we don't cover rampage on the pod often, um, I wanted to touch on this because I think Nyla Rose, Jade Cargill, and Thunder Rosa are poised to have an absolute barn burner, uh, with which I think Thunder Rosa will be the workhorse in this match. Uh, She's going to be spending, throwing her around the ring. <laughs> yeah, just basically bumping like crazy and flying around the ring doing what she does because she's incredible. Um, but really looking forward to it. I think this is going to be a fun match. And I probably will be watching this live. I for once don't have uh Friday night, night plans. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, I tend to watch uh rampage live. So I will also be watching this live. So Joel, if anything groundbreaking happens, we can, uh, we can geek out over it. Um, <laughs> running through what's left. Uh, tonight's show took place in Rochester, New York, uh, famously the home of Brody Lee. Uh, it was great seeing negative one who has sprouted. Like, <laughs> negative one should be like six now like he's he's tall <laughs> yeah he's he's like negative one plus about eight inches taller than he used to yeah. be yeah <laughs> yeah so um it was great seeing seeing him again and you know 16 men tag matches aren't usually my thing <laughs> because i've never seen one before <laughs> i think i've seen 20 men tag matches in wwe but yes I don't know about, definitely don't know about 16 um there was too many people in this, but I liked the whole story of the Dark Order needs to get along for one night. Then try Evil Uno trying to walk out, and then Mrs. Brody Lee comes out. <laughs> Negative One throws the paper at Evil Uno, and and they they stick it out and they get the W. So um, mainly fun seeing the Brody Lee's family. Uh, they started a foundation, uh, AW, which is sounds really cool. What they want to do, I'm actually really interested in in the mission there and yeah i just i love how they treat his family and especially negative one it's very wholesome and it's very heartwarming yeah i thought this was a fun match and i i always love when john silver goes berserk like it's it's just so much fun to watch him yeah go on a tear and hit move after move and clobber people and, (laughs) and flex. Like that's what we're all here for is to see John Silver go crazy. Yeah. And, and new England's own George Joel making his AW dynamite debut and continuously eating shit at the end of that match. 
rest up, buddy. You took you took all the false. <laughs> oh man, I'm so excited to be on Dynamite tonight. What am I doing? Well, <laughs> you're gonna take this there, finisher and this finisher eight and this people finisher on that team. And... So <laughs> <laughs> they're you will all get through gonna hit their finishers. Yeah, yeah got to pay your dues, buddy. But congrats. <laughs> so, Joel, do you have anything else before we we wrap it up? I think I'm good, man. All right. Well, uh, we didn't talk about Moxley, but um, we'll get you on the next show, Mox. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Fuck, I screwed that up. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can follow us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Joel at The Other Joel. Me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can get the podcast on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you get them, we're there. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. That really help us out. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And uh, Joel, I guess for, for tonight, it really was a good time to uh, join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.